to the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 62. As always, a reminder for all of you to spread the word, download, rate, review, tell a friend. Coming off the best two weeks in Soccer OG history, the Soccer OG podcast, where all podcasts are available. Also a reminder to check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, where we have videos leaning into the U.S. men's national team. We will have a full recap from the Panama game, an avalanche of goals coming up here later on Sunday. Also have some great interviews with Kellen Acosta and Sebastian Salazar. And check out the entire library. library. You will love it. This is a World Cup show. We will be joined in the business and by our good friends from El Tri Online. Talk a little bit, talk a lot about Mexico, but we'll also talk about CONCACAF and the qualifying in general. It will be Joe Rodriguez and Ramon Chavez, two upstanding gentlemen. We will also just put a, a nice bow on all the World Cup qualifying talk and get you ready for the World Cup draw. We'll have some special stuff to tell you about what will be happening there. A live stream with our friends there at 110 Football coming your way. But we've got a lot of ground to cover. And oh, Canada, we're talking to you. This is the Soccer OG. Let's go. That's right. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? Patriot love in all thy sons command. With glowing hearts we see. Hey, I have the lyrics in front of me. I don't have it memorized. From far and wide, oh Canada. We stand on guard for... I used to think they said we stand on God, which would have been a little disrespectful, but it's we stand on guard. I had my rankings of national anthems. This didn't make the top 10, but it was like 12th or 13th. And I'm American. I didn't even have Star Spangled Banner that high. We... I like the brevity of this song, too. Big finish. Oh, Canada... We stand on God. Anyone else ready to run through a wall? Hey, oh, Canada! I know our wonderful Canadian listeners. What a wonderful moment. Soak it all in. Enjoy it. You're going to the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. A whole generation of fans of the sport. Maybe there wasn't a generation because there was nothing to cheer about are heading back to the World Cup. This is a Canadian team with no... Well, they had that one Gold Cup success that came out of the blue. And I remember it because I was there. When they beat Colombia, I forgot the year. It was a 2000. Nothing to show for it. They're out of qualifying before it begins, usually. Not only did they get to the World Cup, they're the only team to qualify thus far. And they finished first, or they're going to finish first, it would appear... I'm just, you know, I know we're not supposed to like our rivals, but I could not be happier for that country and all the wonderful Canadians and great Canadian friends that I have. And Christian Jack, I saw him on the field and he's been a guest here. By the way, I think he's our number one podcast in downloads because he's a great dude and he knows his stuff. And the players talking about what it meant for them and their families. And remember, 
And coming up in the business end, we'll talk to Joe Rodriguez and Ramon Chavez of El Tri Online. This is a, an immigrant nation. All these players from different backgrounds, whether their families are from Ghana or um, Portugal or Haiti, you know, Canada welcomed them. And that's important to them. And they're showing that in this incredible passage. And you do not want any part of this team in the World Cup because I think USA and Mexico have done pretty well in qualifying. Costa Rica is complicated. They should have both qualified. They've done oh good. They've done solid. It could always be better. Uh, the loss to Panama at, at their place, obviously, is the one that uh, really sticks out. Uh, getting some points here in El Salvador and Jamaica, not great, but that's what you're supposed to do. Canada's just ripped through this. But the Canada's just been remarkable. So, man, I'm just pumped up from that anthem. This is a soccer OG. And we will get to uh, our good discussion with our friends from L3 online. I did. We don't talk a lot about the U.S. team, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep stoppage time very brief, and we'll talk about what I saw from this team in the 5-1 victory over Orlando. Well done, Orlando. Good to see the crowd diversified a little bit. And Orlando should, you know, that place was popping. That's a great stadium. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Orlando. My sister lives there. I'm from Florida, and Orlando's a landlocked city. In Florida, which makes no sense. Now they have these incredible lakes, uh, Winter Park, where my great grandfather went to college at Rollins. First Cuban baseball, first Latin baseball player from a Latin American country to be drafted in the major leagues. So that's the story my dad told him. I guarantee you it's not accurate, but he, my dad told me, so I'm going to stick with it. Miguel Bretos, back in the day, Rollins College, never played, he was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going off on a tangent here. But Orlando has got potential. And are you going to concede some tickets to some of the visiting supporters? Sure. But look, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, since I want, to, I want the crowd to look like our team, right? Different faces of all different cultures and races. And, but the U.S. team needed a good result. We all knew they were going to win this game. I mean, we, we hoped to think we'd know. And there were four changes. For some very heavy legs. By the way, the U.S. for the first 10 minutes, we were all nervous, right? Took them a while to get going. It was, uh, they were second best on everything. And then at one moment, it clicked in. There were four changes. So, Luca Della Torre gets a run. Paul Ariola, the much maligned Paul Ariola, And I know people have used him as a poster boy. And it's really unfortunate. Because you know he hears about this. Uh, of U.S. selections. And how not to pick MLS guys, generally speaking. And I know there's some guys that say that, and there's others that use really good data to say why uh, some players should make it and some should not. And Paul Ariola, there's no doubt about it, he's had many opportunities. But he came in, man, scored the goal, had an assist. Jesus Ferreira also coming in. He was incredible stretching that field. He had a goal uh, involved in a couple of the goals. Uh, Shaq Moore. For everything that was talked about him, Shaq Moore, Joe Scally. And by the way, I, either one I thought would have been a good choice. But again, we, I don't want to have these arguments. You know, we we're about to qualify for the World Cup. I don't want to sit here and, and have the number one trending topic about U.S. men's soccer be Joe Scally. So Shaq Moore came in and did a really good job. He put his body on the line. He sacrificed so much. So it was a good, it was a good situation. There was a lot of desire, determination, hard work. And Greg Berhalter said that at halftime with Rodolfo Landeros. And they were able to um, get a really good result. Goal differential is going to come in large here. So 5-1. 
means that you're up. You, Costa Rica has to beat you by six. You didn't want to give up that goal at the end. And the U.S. sagged a bit at the end. But come on, they, they were, uh, that was a, you, you can't really criticize. So they just, the, the top and the tails is what struggled. The middle part was phenomenal. And Christian Pulisic is your MVP. He gets the hat trick. But my MVP was Anthony Robinson. Because I think he is, he did assist two goals from crosses. And if you've joined me here in the past, was very critical of him because he couldn't get a cross in. It hits the fullback in the back or it gets way overcooked. He's been working on it. And he played a hard 90 minutes and he played another 90 minutes here. So Anthony Robinson, to me, the star player. Christian Pulisic, two penalties. The third goal was great. Assisted by Anthony Robinson. And also, to a lesser degree, Luca De La Torre. Greg Berhalter has, you know, vetted a lot of guys, and they're all coming in. Even Gianluca Busio getting some minutes. This was a true triumph. So the USA, I have, I had some champagne ready here. I don't want to pop it because I don't have a lot of it in the house here, but I had some champagne ready to pop. The U.S. are going to the World Cup. The U.S. are going to the World Cup. There is nothing, There is in, it's impossible to even fathom looking at a scorecard where it says Costa Rica 6, USA zero or Costa Rica seven, USA one. It's uh, Costa Rica has been phenomenal, by the way. You know, unbeaten these last six qualifiers, they've won five. They beat Canada. They got a point at the Azteca. They have been unstoppable, going and winning in El Salvador. This is a team that uh, has just wagged the tail here in qualifying to make me feel pretty confident that Concacaf's going to get four teams because it looks like Costa Rica, Mexico is going to qualify. They're not going to lose to El Salvador. Costa Rica is going to finish fourth. But you have a team with confidence. You know, Panama just fell to pieces here and got bad results. And you knew that. You knew the duration and the length of qualifying was going to get to some teams. It got to Panama. It got to Jamaica, who were throttled by Canada. It, Honduras showed a little life at the end, but it certainly got to them. And El Salvador, too, faded there as well. And we knew that was going to be part of it. And we knew that would benefit the U.S. Because, look, this roster situation is something to be really excited about. Without Weston McKinney, Serginio Dest, Brendan Aronson, Reggie Cannon, Matt Turner, Chris Richards, all injured, Cannon with COVID, that you can have discussions about the last two players coming on. I mean, we still no room for John Brooks or Joe Scally or Josh Sargent. I mean, those are world-class players. All play in Europe. Top leagues. And there wasn't room for them. And you can't really fault... I think, look, we can argue about Greg Berhalter, but he got this personnel stuff right. He got guys in. It's a tough job. Not everyone's going to be happy. There's going to be a lot of unhappy folks, folks, folks. There's going to be some unhappy folks coming up here because everyone, when, if everyone's healthy, this is going... To be a tough squad to crack. 23 for the World Cup. So it will be very... Uh, it's going to be interesting in that front if these guys can keep that momentum going. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a, a, a slight uh, train of thought uh, departure there, but it's going to be a tough team to break into. So everyone knows it, and the U.S. is just bursting with confidence and talent uh, I'm this the World Cup roster thing is going to be fascinating. Uh, it, it, some guys are you know kind of jettisoned here, like Sebastian Legette and Jossie Zardes. I don't think they'll come back. 
because Greg Berhalter, it was cyclical, and these young players, he's gotten them experience, and now they are men. They have gone through this process. There were some, uh, <laughs> there's some hairy moments, but they've gone through this process, and those are the guys that are going to inherit the space. You want to give these veteran guys a shot, but you give your team the best shot that has to win, and everyone gets it. They're all big boys, so it's going to be a young team. I mean, the guys that are over a certain age on this roster, Walker Zimmerman, Ariola, that's, I mean, that's it, right? With this team? On this starting 11 and the guys that came in, I oh, I should have mentioned uh, he came in as a sub as Kellen Acosta, but we're looking at Eunice Moose as a teenager, Gio Reyna played, Aaron Long's a little bit older, maybe he gets back in there. It's going to be the young team. It's going to be the team that everyone, the nouveau generation of, and I love you guys, and I'm glad you're here because we've got this dialogue. Sometimes it gets a little, it gets a little boring when we talk about some selection stuff. But hey, we're all we're all we're all on the same team here. But for those guys that say we want to have this European, it's going to get to that point. Even though MLS players were fantastic in this game, Jesus Ferreira, Paul Ariola. Walker Zimmerman, another clean sheet for this U.S. defense. So whatever you think about John Brooks, and is he good enough for here? Yes. Although there is some, there's some weirdness about what's going on in his career right now. Uh, you have to, uh, this defense, whatever Greg Berhalter did, you have to take your hat off to him because they have been unbreachable. They did get the goal up late, and I'm sure they're frustrated. It was just a, it was a wonderful, just therapeutic afternoon me on the couch watching this game with my laptop on my lap on my knee watching Mexico get by Honduras laboring and it was a complete departure with what we were seeing here in Orlando much more on the U.S. team's effort on the soccer OG on YouTube a new video will be published here on my Sunday night go check that out when you have a moment want to get to the interview the U.S. is going to the World Cup Canada Canada is going to the World Cup. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the... The Royal Mounted... What are they called? The Royal Mounted Police? The Royal Canadian Mounted Police. We'll be back. World Cup, baby! We are back here on the Soccer OG, and uh, joining me now two guys we've been through this whole journey going all the way back to denver colorado where we were in a parking lot on this podcast uh july was it july of uh, 2021 and now we've had all this world cup qualifying we're back here again we obviously were there as well at the um tony's tony's in marina del rey so the guys from l3 online former eto l3 online editor joe rodriguez he's now the mls next pro director of digital content very exciting for joe and L3 Online's very lovable Ramon Chavez. How's it going, Ramon? I'll start with you. Because I don't want to get Joe all big, big, uh, Billy Big Boots over here. <laughs> I'm doing well, man. Yeah, a lot, lot of work over here. Uh, you know, besides the the stuff at ETO, L3 Online, I'm covering here the, the USL Championship team in Phoenix, which is uh, Phoenix Rising. You got to uh, say, like, Phoenix Rising? That, no, maybe not like that, yeah. No, they're, they're really particular about how you say the name. Uh, but, Phoenix Rising? Sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, you're busy with that. And of course, you know, uh, you know, helping Joe a little bit here with the MLS Next Pro as well. And yeah, man, it's just busy, man. It's it's a great time to be a soccer fan and I'm happy to be busy and, and happy to be working. So, yeah. 
And Joe, hard work in front of you, my friend. No, you're getting a new league off the ground there with the folks at MLS. And we know that the, as we've seen in every part of North American soccer, the children are our future. We got to see them develop. And now we get a chance to see them with this league. You know, Max, it's, uh, it's interesting because this, this weekend, uh, it was the inaugural debut for MLS Next Pro. And um, I think that one of uh, the core pillars was in full effect, and that is opportunities. The opportunities that a lot of these young players are going to get at MLS Next Pro is something that I think it's going to set the president. It's going to get, it's going to pave the way for so many of them in so many ways, you know, because it's going to give them that visibility, that much needed visibility, uh, the, the competition that uh, they're going to get at the pro level, right? Because let's not mistake, this is not a reserve league. It is a professional league. And, um, you know, you're going to get some players that are like, you know, big and strong, right? We saw that with, uh, with um, you know, Rochester uh, goalkeeper, you know? So it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's going to be competitive and it's going to be interesting nonetheless, man. So that being said, I mean, it's exciting uh, to be part of, of, of the launch. Uh, uh, a lot of hours of hard work, uh, but it's extremely rewarding, Max. Ah, well, good for you. And you guys are super busy. But this all started, look, I reached out to you guys to talk about specifically the game at the Azteca. We can talk a little bit as we spin towards World Cup qualifying. But these games are coming in so thick and fast. And the World Cup draw is coming up on Friday. So... We, it's all condensed. I remember uh, last World Cup cycle because the USA played in October and the draw, I believe, was in December. So you had two months to build it up. But you, because the World Cup is already upon us in the end of the year, you got to get it in there. So we're going to get to that. But we talked a little bit about Azteca, but I think it's interesting now as we see the U.S. and Mexico, there are different paths here on Sunday. Mexico in Honduras winning 1-0. On, I don't know if it was an Edson Alvarez or it was called an own goal at the end. It was a scrappy little header. I'd like to give Edson credit. I don't like own goals. And then the United States, 5-1 over Panama in Orlando. Hat-trick for Christian Pulisic. Neither has booked their ticket. As I said earlier in the show, Canada's in. But both are very close. Uh, and Ramon, it was... Uh, speaking of Mexico, and th- how do you think this is going to be... The media is going to be upset, right? That the, the, They struggle down there in San Pedro Sula... But the fan, the team, I think afterwards has to feel really good about it. Yeah, it's it's about getting the result. You know, at this point, I think they're all just kind of fed up with everything that's going on and the results. You know, previous previous results, and so I think getting this win, as scrappy as it was, and you know, as difficult as it was, you know, traveling traveling down there to Honduras, I think this team has to be happy. They're one step closer to Qatar. They can kind of take this monkey off their back a little bit. But, you know, now they have El Salvador at home where they have to win. They have to win or at least get a, a good result, good showing, and, you know, kind of just quiet down some of those critics, man. Every time – Win or draw. I think if it's, a, if it's a draw, should do them all right because they're, they're three points up. But either way, they're in. I think both Mexico and USA are in. Yeah. So uh, they'll be in pretty good shape. But uh, it just – Ramon, it's just with uh, it, this Mexico team – everything's going to be judged at the world. Tata Martino is eventually going to be judged at the world cup. There was people saying if he lost at the Azteca, he was going to lose his job. He's not going to lose his job. It hasn't been great, but every time Mexico kind of comes off the rails a bit, I just go back to 2014 when they were out and then they get to the world cup and they were a razor's edge away 
from possibly making a semifinal. That's not crazy. I mean, that's I'm, that's, that's kind of serendipity going from here. But this is they will be judged by what happens in Qatar. Yeah, definitely. And and I, I'm I'm kind of jealous right now, honestly, because you look at Canada, you look at the U.S., and then you you turn around and then you look at Mexico struggling. And I can't even remember like a decent World Cup qualification match that they have during this cycle just because of how much they struggled defensively. I think that Jimenez injury just really just broke down a lot of Tata Martino's plans. Chucky, he he gave an interview where he's like, you know what? I didn't even think I was going to come because every time I come over here, I get injured and then I can't play with Napoli and then I don't get paid. And it's like, no, I mean, he, he'll get paid, but it's like they're the ones who pay me. And so I think the players are wearing down as well. It's just like, I, I don't know. I think there's just something, some bad energy, some bad vibes in that team where even some of the players are questioning, you know, their status on the team and why they should be there. And and I don't know. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's a team that's tired. It's a team that just looks lost at times. And there's not really that great leader to kind of push him forward. That Cuauhtémoc Blanco that would have done it back in the day, that Rafa Marquez. I feel like they're just kind of struggling game to, to game and seeing where everything goes. Joe, Last four games, and we were we we sat and watched the games last time when you were in LA. Uh, tie with Costa Rica at home, squeak out a result, and we thought they would get a lot of points because they had at least they had these three straight home games, I think, and then right. one zip with Panama they got at the very end a penalty, I think, at the 80th minute. Then zero mm-hmm. a zero at the Azteca against the U.S. and now one zero in Honduras, so unbeaten <laughs> in that stretch. But nothing that you're, is going to quicken the pulse. Yeah. Are you worried? Yeah. Are you, I mean, is it worrisome for to see no. it like that? No, no, because look, at the end of the day, and we were talking about this before we started the recording, that uh, I think that Mexico, if you look at uh, you know their last several World, World Cup qualifiers, uh, they made it in by panzazo, even in some instances, right? The, and and this time around. I don't think they've ever been in real danger like in other in other times, but you know what Mexico knows how to do is get into the World Cup. You know, one way or another, they get into the World Cup. I mean, this is their what eighth World Cup. If uh, if they get it, I mean, like mathematically, they're not in. But we know that they can't finish worse than fourth. I mean, it's 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 almost a given, right? And it's a uh, it's a home it's uh, the last home game should not be a very heavy lifting for them. It's against El Salvador. So even a draw, you know, uh, clinches a spot for them in the World Cup at Azteca. My point is that they don't struggle. I mean, I mean, regardless if they struggle or not, getting into the World Cup is the number one priority. I feel that there was other things. You say it's the one priority, but it doesn't, it does, they don't have to do it with style points. And as to your point, Mexico kind of grinds it yeah. out historically. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they really don't. I mean, those years, those qualifying years are long gone where Mexico used to, like, sweep the floor with all, all the opponents, right? Like, those, like, 19, you know, 80s and 90s, uh, you know, World Cup qualifiers, even early 2000s, those are, those are in the back burner. The, those moms are, are gone. Uh, what I was going to say is that, to me, what was more worrisome is Mexico not going to the World Cup because of the chant because of the sanctions, right? Those are the things that were really worrying me because at the end of the day, I mean, that, that Mexico's the worst enemy and, and its fans are sometimes its worst enemy because those were the things that are the biggest threat really um, as far as Mexico not making, to, not making it to the World Cup. It's, uh, 
yeah, there's a lot going on with Mexico and Tata Martino. It, it hasn't been nice on the eyes, but even that that front three and, and Edson Alvarez got the goal here. Uh, I have to I have to double check it because I think it could have been an own goal, but I'm, I'm looking at it here. But you, we all know what happened. It's one zip. The goal was scored. Right. The, the trio of Raul Jimenez and Chucky and you were talking about Ramon and these conversations about coming to these games. And Tecatito, who came out. El Tridente. El Tridente. Well, they haven't been, it hasn't been very sharp, El Tridente. So uh, these guys are are all very talented for different reasons. And injuries have played a big part in all three of them. Some worse than others. I think Raul Jimenez's injury, obviously, stands alone. But Chucky Lozano has been doing that as well. Is, Is it the right amount of pressure? Any of these guys should be pushed. You know, everyone's talking about bringing in Chicharito, and I don't think that's going to happen. Funes Mori was unavailable. There doesn't seem like there's anyone pushing those three, but they're not getting goals from them. Uh, Ramon, am I getting the feeling that that's they've underperformed, or is it? are we awaiting this moment where it's all going to come out? I, I think they've underperformed. Uh, like I said earlier, I think Jimenez having that injury, you know, uh, uh, so that uh, over there in England, it just it kind of messed up, you know, just that chemistry that they were building. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last great game that Mexico had where we were all just satisfied with the result. And I, and I even have to go a couple of years ago with like, I think it was 2019, which uh, I think it was a win against the U S and I think that was the last time I felt really good about this, uh, this Mexico team, but yeah, I, Lozano, he, he looked reckless to me in that USA game. Uh, Tecatito was gassed by the 65th minute. He couldn't, I don't think he was, you know, he should have been substituted a lot earlier. Jimenez, I think by doing so much, he doesn't focus on the thing that we need him to do, which is to score. And so sometimes him coming out of the box and trying to play with with the midfielders and and be that creative force prevents him to actually being able to be in the box to score when we needed when we need him to. So it's tough. And I I think Martino is trying to figure it out himself. Do you think that's a Tata situation about the way he uses Raul? Ramon, because I will also say Raul Jimenez is starting to look like the old Raul Jimenez in recent weeks with Wolves, Hmm. not with Mexico, though. Yeah, and and, in Wolves, I think he got benched a couple of times or he wasn't even on the bench a few games, but then he came back into the starting lineup and kind of regained his form a little bit. But that's what I mean. I think during the games, the the commentators as well, they're like, look, he's doing so much, but because he's doing so much, he doesn't focus on the thing that he needs to do. And I know that's a style of play and you can't really change him. It's kind of like that conversation we used to have with Chicharito where he's just a poacher. He's a guy that's just going to be in the box and going to get you the goal. He's not going to really do anything else. So I think we need to kind of just take Jimenez as how he is, but you need to put the right pieces around him if he's going to be that centerpiece of the attack. Same starting 11 that was at the Azteca game. So Chucky Raul, Tecatito, midfield, H. H. Edson Alvarez, Charlie Rodriguez, back four, Artiaga, Vasquez, Montes, Jerry Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez um, and Ochoa in goal. And I don't know why I call him Jerry, <laughs> but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the same 11 and the Azteca, as you said, these guys look gassed. The United States made four changes at the end of the Azteca game. Everyone dropped to the floor. It looked exhausting. And obviously there's a lot of challenges in playing there. Same 11, which really surprised me, Joe, and I was wondering why, and when you get into it, there's a lot of conversations about Tata Martino. This is how he is, close to his vest, doesn't want to bring in these guys. Then there's a flip side that I wonder, are these guys good enough 
to play in those situations. And just look at the guys who came in. We'll look at the guys who came in this game in the second half. Uriel Antuna, who's been doing really well at Cruz Azul. Diego Lainez, who is the golden child, shown some good signs here. Eric Gutierrez, Henry Martin. We can throw in Funes Mori and a guy. Are, is that group of players, are they, should they be playing more or are they not ready for this kind of situation? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, we're, we're, it's, it, Mexico has, um, it's, it's so weird, man, because I think that the, 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 the squad, the roster, let's call it that, right? The roster that Mexico has is, is, is it, it's not an intimidating one. It's not one that people could be like, oh, man, I'm excited, right? Like, you know, Ramon it doesn't excite you. Not at all. Not one bit. I mean, I, I look, I, I think that, again, going back to what Mexico does, right? We get to the World Cup. We get the draw. We're going to have one tough opponent at least, right? Maybe two. But Mexico in the World Cup somehow figures out a way to perform against those big teams. And I think that regardless of who ends up going to the World Cup, there's going to be a difference maker or two from those players, right? It's just really unknown, like who are going to be like the difference makers. Like if we go back to all the way back to South Africa, right? When when they took Chicharito and he, you know, broke out in, in that game against France, you know, it, it's nobody really expected Chicharito to do what he did, right? I mean, yeah, he had already been signed to had he already been signed to Man U or no? Or did that happen afterwards? I think it was announced something like that. Yeah, it was announced, but he hadn't played for them yet. Yeah, so it was announced. But anyway, my point is that, you know, there's going to be a player or two that, that are going to just – they're they're you know, Chucky did it with Germany, right? That's another example. Um, but there's going to be players that are, are just going to be able to step up. Who those players are, I don't know. And all of those guys that you mentioned, Max, to be perfectly honest, I mean, like, I, I'm not I'm not excited about any one of them. Like, there's not one that I can be like, oh, man, yeah, like, you know, this guy is is, is a star. Like, I, I, I had a feeling that Jimenez was that guy, but like Ramon mentioned, after his injury, man, I mean, it, it just, it sucks. He's just not the same player, you know? And and Tecatito, I think it's like, you know, kind of like on his way out. Like, he has his little moments here. Yeah, there. he's been the most and, disappointing for me. He just disappears. Yeah. Juki was active against... The U.S., he was f- firing some shots in there. There was one that I thought it could have been a penalty against, uh, I think, Walker lot, Zimmerman. He, he complains a lot. Yeah, I mean, but Tecatito's the one I think at some point you have to consider maybe finding an option. But is there an option? I don't know. Because I'm arguing with some folks on Twitter about El 3 and they say, no, the talent's there. And I go, ah. And I go, people in Mexico agree with me. They go, where yeah. is it? These guys are nice players. I mean, we always compare it to the U.S. And I'm sorry I do that because we really sh- should separate them. But you compare it to the U.S. In this case, the U.S. were missing Weston McKinney, Sergio Desk, Brendan Aronson, Matt Turner, uh, Chris Richards. Yet they seem that, I mean, even brought in these guys to replace them. And then we still have arguments as who doesn't come in. It's John Brooks or Joe Scali. Guys are playing well in Europe. I mean, yeah. that's going way down the pecking order. Is it, I mean, Ramon, is it, can... And Mexico's is falling off the, the pace with that. I mean, they're they may even getting lapped when it comes to talent. And I'm not saying USA is better than Mexico, but you look at the talent, the guys playing in Europe. Yeah. 
I mean, there's there's a long list for the U.S. It doesn't seem that long for Mexico. Yeah. And I think it's I, honestly, I think it's due to Tata Martino. He's said it numerous times. He says, look, I have my squad, probably 30 players. These are the guys I'm sticking with. I'm not going to be calling anybody other up. You have Alan Mosso with Pumas, who's who's one of the best defensive players, goes up and down the, the wings and, and for Pumas. Tata's not going to call that guy as great as he's as he's playing out. He doesn't care how many assists he's given. He doesn't care how many goals he's scoring. Tata has his guys. It took, uh, what's his name? Gerardo, Gerardo, uh, Gerardo Artiega. Artiega. Uh, yeah, a long time for him to return to the selection because he, he didn't want to go to the Olympics due to some family problem. It, it's just weird. These call-ups are weird with Tata. I feel like he just closed the loop with, with yeah. as, as, as how many players he's going to call up. And the Chicharito example even though you don't need him to start. And I'm the guy that's going to tell Chicharito should be in the selection. He's scoring for LA Galaxy. He's involved. You can see how much he's, he's kind of back in that rhythm. And when Chicharito's on, there's no, there's no other striker that's going to beat him. And so it's just tough, man. Like Tata kind of closed it for a lot of talent. I think maybe a lot of Mexican people, uh, players are saying, you know what, as, as great as I perform, I'm not going to get called up. So why, why am I here? The perfect example is Marcelo Flores. Yes, he's young. Yes, he hasn't played for the first team in, in Arsenal. It doesn't matter. Argentina is calling these kids that are over in Europe and they're training with the first team, at least, you know, it, it's just those things that kind of irk me a little bit about Tata Martino, about not thinking about the future. And he probably doesn't care. He's like, look, I'm it's Qatar. This and that's it. The, yeah. yeah. But by doing that, you're preventing all this, this talent from flowing through and from being able to be displayed. So the USA knows what players are going to face. They already know who they are. They beat them three straight times. So why are they scared? It, it look, it's because look. Hold on, let me let me let me say something because I, I think the lay it down, Joe. <laughs> next, the, the, there's there's a big difference with the the way that football and soccer is in Mexico and the U.S. Right? I think that on the youth level here in the U.S., right, we have that pay to play and like you know that that philosophy. But I think slowly but surely, I think U.S. soccer and the powers of soccer in general across the the country understand that if this country wants to compete with the best in the world, we need to give opportunities to the best players. And I think slowly but surely you're seeing the best players playing for the U.S. In Mexico, it's more about who the hell knows who. El compadre, the cousin, el primo, really? whatever. Yes. yes. Even in yes. selections. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Cuauhtémoc Blanco should have gone to the national team in 2006, but Ricardo Lavolpe did not take him in 06. Why? <sighs> because they had a, a, you know, a fallout or something like that. Even, like, you know, to Ramon's point, right? Like, these are the things where, where you know, Tata's just kind of, like, making his own decisions, right? Is he, like, looking outside the box? Is he, you know, Chicharito obviously wants to play. Again, yeah. like, do I think, like, he's the best player? No. Well, Max, I mean, you've been around sports for a very long time, and we all have heard athletes talk about how a leader in the locker room just brings so much, right? Like the motivational spectrum, like, you know, and and and, and all these other things that, that he could potentially bring. But there's others out there that might be like, well, Chicharito could also be a cancer to the team and so forth. And ultimately, I think that is the one that, you know, is making the call. But there's a lot of politics, man. That was ultimately the point I was trying to make. Yeah, I no, I know, you, and I know what you mean. And look, if you have a fallout, that shouldn't rule you out. Or if you're just not, you don't fit in. And we, I hear this all the time. And it's, 
It's it's a it very it's, regular teams. Even it's in, a fickle in, business. Yeah, I mean it happens in regular clubs, right? The moment that you're you know the that uh, you know singled out, right? The moment that you're like put in that in that position where you're like, no, that's it. You know this this person's already out of our club. You're done. You know it's over. I mean it happens everywhere with everything. You know, but again, I think the politics are a lot harsher in Mexican soccer than they are than they what they are. Like how many people? I mean, besides like the 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 soccer hardcores, right? Like how many people are really saying like? Oh, you know, Berhalter, let's get him out. Let's fire him. You know what I mean? Like, think about the difference. Just like some of the, just the fringe, some of the crazy fringe, but I don't think anyone, you know, there was never a moment, but there's like those conversations come up, but it's like, you kind of roll your eyes. My my point is that just think about the difference in pressure that Tata has versus Berhalter. Yeah. Look, people, exactly. That's without question. But the people will be surprised because with, the 2014, they went through five managers before they, they landed on Piojo Herrera and he took him pretty far. So people, I was wondering if that was going to happen again, but it, it felt this time it wasn't. It's was like, no matter if they lost to the U.S. on Thursday, that wasn't going to happen. And no. the yeah. pressure... And we, it, don't know, and we don't know the story yet. We don't know the clause, right? Like the contracts. Like, does anybody correct. really it's, know? It's got to be, it, gotta be uh, heavily leaning in towards yeah. Tata. Exactly, exactly. He's so, got a lot so of power. He, yeah, exactly. I mean, coming from from Barcelona and Argentina and all that stuff, you know that the guy like in order for and and, and I think he, and here's the problem, right? Any any future manager knows the power of that specific role, and they know the pressure. They know everything else that comes with it because they want that security. I I, I again, I don't know, you know, and, and and I can't say whether it's true or not, but I would not be surprised that Tata's contract just hasn't earned like this huge, tremendous payout if he gets canned before the World Cup. So maybe that's why nothing's happening too. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he always felt like it, we'll get there. It's like, it's a process. It just, it really is more uh, how it looks. You know, it, it's not been pretty. And, you know, to your Chicharito point, I get it if he's on the outside and he's not really part of this this inner circle, but that those guys are not scoring goals. I mean, the U.S. at least had five against Panama. They've had at home. They've had these explosive ones, and Mexico's not scoring home or away. Actually, he's doing better away, it would seem. So this just it's a it's an odd thing, and I don't know what to make of it uh, as you get into it because everyone goes they'll get to the World Cup. Maybe this is the time they get to the Quinto Partido where you really really don't expect them. Although I think in 2014, it was the same case. And then they had that group with Brazil and, they, and it was Croatia and they found a way to get through and should have beaten the Netherlands. But I don't know. I, 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 I sense they, they may not get to a, a cuarto partido this time. Uh, Ramon. Oh, Ramon was like, wait a minute. What no, do you no, think? I, I agree with you. This is the, I, you know, I was there through the 2014 cycle. Uh, the 2018 cycle was the less turbulent, I guess you could say. And, and this was because I think Mexico just qualified really easily. So, I think the pundits were just like Juan Carlos Osorio is crazy because of all the rotations of players. So we had a manager who would change players too often. And now we have a manager that doesn't change them. So I think it's just, we, we can't either, we can't get away from that, but we'll see. And, and, you know, you mentioned that it's that Tata has said that this is a process, un proceso. we're going to get there. This is the year, man. It's 2022. What more process do you want? You have one more World Cup qualifier. You, you need to find teams to play with in the summer to, to get your team in shape. Uh, I'm here in Brazil, Argentina, you know, 
We'll see, man. We'll see. I, I just don't know. I don't, there's jokes that Tata Martinez doesn't even watch like Liga MX games. He doesn't even really care. He goes to Argentina and then comes back when it's, you know, it's just, it's rough, man. It's rough hearing all this stuff and not seeing the team perform and, and knowing that 2022, it, it might be a really bad time for Mexico over there in Qatar. Just, uh, just to clear things up with Chicharito, he went to Manchester United the, after that World Cup. So Ramon was right. And 2014, you know, Mexico had uh, they had Raúl Jiménez, who was at América at the time. Obviously, he's still a young player. But they had Memo Ochoa, Andres Guardado, Hector Herrera on that team. Those guys are all here, and they're still featured uh, as main guys. <clears throat> That's, That's it. Is I mean, Memo Ochoa, he did play well at the Azteca. I'll give him credit, but it's like he looks his age. A lot of oh, times. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's, and that's also been historic with goalkeepers, right? Mexican goalkeepers, like, you know, Osvaldo had to retire before somebody else had a, you know, opportunity. Conejo Perez played till he was like 45 or 50 yeah, or whatever. He was my favorite. I love Conejo Perez. <laughs> so, you know, like with the goalkeepers, I mean, it, it, it happens. I mean, Rafa Marquez played till he was 37. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're not really going like- to see in 2014 – where Memo Ochoa had that stand on his head game against Brazil. There's no chance you're going to see that. Maybe it's because Mexico's better in front of them. Well, they've had some defensive issues. You're not going to see a keeper. He is definitely limited in what yeah. he can do. And I, I don't get it. I, I would think there'd be a better option. I like some of these guys that kind of bump up, whether it's Talavera, who's not a young player or Cota. I didn't, I didn't really mind the, the, the defensive, you know, four, uh, you know, four players that Mexico had today, actually. I personally believe that 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 should be the starting lineup in the World Cup. What do you think, Ramon? Uh, It's a really young lineup compared to how they were lining up. I think because Araujo had that injury and then Moreno just hasn't been in form. But uh, Vasquez plays in Italy. He's one of the best defenders out there. I think the only part of his playing uh, over there that he has to improve is just, you know, moving the ball uh, from the back to the front. So uh, Cesar Montes, he should be in Europe. I don't know why he's in Monterrey still. It's probably how much he's getting paid. uh, Artiaga is over there and in Europe as well. The one I had a question about was Jorge Sanchez, who ended up, in my opinion, being the best player for Mexico against the U.S. He was great. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I think Tata Martino named him as the best player as well. And I was surprised because he hasn't been playing amazingly with for America either. I wanted Araujo in this place from LA Galaxy. So, I mean, but when you give these guys a, a chance, maybe they come out with a really good game. So I, that's I, that's the only thing that I asked for, just for for more opportunities for other other players. And maybe that's gonna. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry, man. I was just gonna say no, and 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 players like Araujo, you know, uh, the young Araujo, not the old Araujo. I w- I wouldn't even call the old Araujo, dude. You know, give the young Araujo a chance. I mean, the the guy's young. He's hungry. He's got talent, right? He and, wants to play. He wants to be here. Like like, where are you gonna get that? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's the thing, right? Like all these younger guys have that 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 opportunity. You know, I, I I'm not I'm not hoping that Ochoa gets injured, but like. If Ochoa gets injured, what are they going to do? Put Talavera in? It's like, no, why don't you give Acevedo a chance, right? But it's, again, the hype. You know, Mexico reminds me a little bit of that, uh, I, I don't know, in a lot of cultures, right, where it's like, oh, it's the the old person has to get all the the respect and all the opportunities. And, oh, there's – Yeah, there's to a degree. Food. I mean, at some point you're yeah. like, thank you. <laughs> give the gloves to <laughs> this guy. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that's how Mexico is when it comes to to it to its football uh so it, it's um it sucks man I, I mean another guy look i mean shoot i just want to dissect this freaking lineup like there's no tomorrow another guy that i would relegate to the bench hector herrera man 
Like, he, our catcher has been disastrous. Today. What? what was that, Ramon? No, he played good today against Honduras. Yeah. And he was okay at that stick. At the last window, though, to your point, Joe, I was like, wow, he's getting beat. He actually got beat that one run by Gio Reyna. He got beat twice on that, although he was. Gio Reyna was, I was like, I, I was really hoping he didn't score because he just weaved through the entire oh. midfield like it was it was nothing. By the way, afterwards, I said, hey, it looked like it's at the Azteca. And I said, the Diego Maradona minus the goal. And people got all bent out of shape. It goes, <laughs> I go, are you serious? Are we going to have an argument about this? Tell me what it looked like. It looked like that play. It didn't score. And I said that. People want to argue. No, no, no. By the way, he had one more cut. He would have had a shot on goal. And if he scored that, yeah. I just don't understand these arguments. You can't win. <laughs> no, sometimes, Max, it's just, you know, it's just better to just say your opinion than even listen to what people have to say. <laughs> Fair enough. I, no. I know, I'm, by the way, I'm in the echo chamber for the United States, and I talked about the U.S. effort a little bit earlier here on the podcast, but I'd love to get your perception about where they are. Now, one thing I'll, I'll start the conversation with is I know Greg Berhalter has been criticized uh, fairly unfairly. Have I agreed with his tactics and some of his uh, selections within the starting lineup a lot? No. Has he hung on to a couple players a little bit long? Sure. But I look at compare everything to Mexico. And then Mexico, in a situation where they play the starting 11, I look at, because of these injuries for the U.S., and I, the, the last four or five months of World Cup qualifiers, little by little, Greg Berhalter brought in players so they got an experience. So now when they need it now, you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how by, from September to we are here at the end of March, how things are going to turn. But he did want to have a plan like this where he could – uh, embed these guys into the squad and guys like Luca Della Torre, who was fantastic today. He got, mm-hmm. he got in at the right time. And now he's like a featured midfielder, Chris Richards. They did that. Um, Tim way. He kind of, they all kind of brought him in. And now when everyone gets healthy, you're looking at this squad. That's going to be really hard to crack. Yeah. I, I give him, you know, 10 out of 10 or Nick, I'll give him nine out of 10 for how yeah. he's incorporated players into this roster, whether that means it's world cup success, I can't tell you, but he's given guys a chance. You can't give yeah. everyone a chance. It's impossible. Some people are going to be left unhappy, but okay. by and large, all these guys have had a run. So, well, I mean, just your, I mean, uh, how you know, people are getting really excited. People are diminishing I, the thoughts on it, I but you know, say, it's just been pretty good. I want to say something about Berhalter. Um, and I think that he's a real nice guy. <laughs> That's yeah. the first thing I want he to is a, I've known that guy for a bit and I've done interviews and he, he, really respectful he remembers you he asks you questions about you and your family that kind of stuff which i love doesn't mean he's you're gonna win a world cup but he's a good no, dude no 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 he's a he's a gentleman dude i remember like I've, I've only had a chance to interview him once and it was uh i think it was literally like a month or or less after he took uh the job uh it was like in uh as a matter of fact it was at bank of california max it was like during like one of those like gold cup announcements or what have you uh, very nice guy. You know what I mean? And, and like, you, you know how it is. I, I don't know. Maybe he's changed now. Maybe now he's like, I don't want to be here for the interviews, but that specific day, he was super nice and, and very, uh, and, and, um, and just, just cool, you know, which, which I really like. but anyway, but as far as the expectation for the U S I think it's super important to just give opportunities, man. I think that you, you, you cannot close your horizons and your mind about, like what certain players might bring. And like, do you have to be like Osorio? No, 
but do you have to be like that? that? Absolutely not, right? But I think that's what that's where Berhalter has succeeded in finding that happy ground, right? That middle ground of where, okay, maybe let, I try this guy out this way and that way and so forth. And and I mean, you know, he's had success. Uh, and to your point, does it translate to the World Cup? I think that the World Cup is here's the deal. I think coaches get you to the World Cup, but players win the World Cup. You know, I think that at the end of the day, it's not going to be so much up to Berhalter. It's going to be up up to the players and yeah. they could rise to the level. You know, his, so, his, his job was to get them there. And it looks it's going to happen. Was it or some bumps uh, in the road? Yes, but it's going to happen, especially after what happened five years. That's uh, that's something to applaud. <laughs> and it should be easier for USA, but if it's hard for Mexico and Canada's a bit of an outlier, then it should it should never be easy. I, I'd love for it to be easy, but are we going to talk about Canada? I don't, I let's don't talk about Canada. Let's talk. By the way, the, everyone would be qualified right now if Costa Rica didn't go buck wild. They've won five of six. They haven't. The only time they dropped points was at the Azteca, and it was a scoreless tie. But. The only reason both these USA Mexico are, aren't already qualified by by last Thursday is because Costa Rica got on fire, and yeah. now you got to deal with it. So we talk about USA Mexico, but the teams in first and fourth have been incredible. So Concacaf feels healthy, and in Costa Rica, I thought we're going to really slip off, but they've done well. But with Canada doing as trying to get up the FIFA ranking, so they get a better run inside that draw with. With Costa Rica and some good young players developing, even though they have to hang into Celso Borges and Brian Ruiz and yada. Uh, but Joel Campbell had a good one. You know, Kaylor Navas is the best goalkeeper in the region. I think all four make the World Cup, but uh, it's uh, it, it's it's shaped up nicely. It's nervous for Mexico and USA fans, but it, it, it's it's a limit. It's no, a limit. we're not nervous. You're not nervous. You know, you no, know, I'm not nervous. Like- but it's still, I was nervous heading into the Azteca. If they lose that game, I'm like, and I knew they were going to beat Panama, but a uncomfortable, maybe a little uncomfortable, Joe. Yeah. Well, uh, Canada, man. Well, I, I want to hear a more <laughs> take on Canada. I want to go back. I want to talk about Canada. They look, I thought they looked awesome today. They thumped Jamaica. It's Jamaica's been poor, but they thumped them. Yeah. No, uh, I think Canada, no doubt, the best team in the region. Uh, Jonathan David, best best forward right now, I think, in in, in the Concacaf region. So, yeah, and remember, no Alfonso Davies for the, and they were missing some key players. They missed David a little oh, bit. They were, yeah. No, I saw that. Uh, how much it meant to him. That I think either you retweeted or someone did, Max, where he was uh, he was live streaming his him watching the game and he started crying. You know, and it's like it, it it's crazy how much this means to to Canada and and its players and its fans because they haven't been there since what eighty six the the last eighty yeah. six the Maradona World Cup. Exactly, and so oh, it's been a very long. Your arena, walk up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's great. Out of it. Happy for them. I like the fact that there's this other uh, Concacaf nation that's kind of because they're not going away. This isn't a yeah. One- this is good for everyone. This is good for everyone in Concacaf. Well, back to back World Cups for them, guarantee. Remember. Yeah, oh, they'll. I think they won't miss a World Cup because of the expanded World Cup. They're not missing the World Cup, but it's good because it gets USA games because we're in this this whole. Nations League stuff. We, we're, we're stuck in our region, which is unfortunate because it was USA, Mexico. But the, the silver lining is you have Canada on the up and up, and hopefully these other countries can get it. But Joe, you, I think uh, Ramon hit it on the hit the nail on the. How did he put the? How do you say? It? Hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yes. And this is what's great about Canada. 
how much it means to them because this is an, an immigrant f- team base. These are kids that yeah. parents yeah. are from Haiti or uh, I think uh, it was Ghana, maybe. Canada, Canada or, has done what you're supposed to do, which is embrace your immigrants. They love their know? man. They love playing for Canada, and this is huge for them. And they will defend that flag, and it is very touching to see that how appreciative these players are because of what this country has done for their families, welcomed them in. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. fantastic to see. It, it, it really is, man. And, and I'm very excited and very happy for them. And I can't, you not, man. I, I think that Canada has the potential to be considered a very strong dark horse in the world cup. I know that I've said that a couple of times that people are like, ah, they're going to go and play three games and they're going to get bounced. They're going to have a tough Uh, draw. They're going to have a tough draw, but I would, I wouldn't want to play this team. That's my point, right? If you're like, if if you look at the teams that have qualified, right. You cannot tell me that every single one of those teams are going to run over Canada. Right. It's not like, remember like when Trinidad and Tobago went and, and, uh, you know, Jamaica went and, you know what I mean? When those teams were going, right? One of the, 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 uh, the Caribbean teams from... from or know, Panama, from, Panama the last time. Or even, yeah, or even Panama, right? Because, uh, well, Panama, like, you know, some people thought was a little stronger. But anyway, the point is this. Canada just finished or is about to finish in first place of the region, man. That means something. Anytime you finish in first place of your region, that means something. If and they not, want it. They want it. And that's why I think they're going to play the same guys in their final qualifier. It, it, it's not. It's not. It's not a walk in the park, man. Winning the the Concacaf qualifiers is not a walk in the park, man. So, the, like you said, right? This is the beginning of a different type of future for Canada soccer, and it's really exciting because, you know, that just adds. It's it's what it means symbolically, like for the region, but also like what it means for the future, right? Because if you if you have Mexico, the U.S., and Canada all compete in world soccer, that just means that little by little, like you know, uh, just we're no longer going to be like you know the the ugly stepchild in conferences, right? That's going to have to go to like you know Asia or Oceania or Africa, <laughs> but. Uh, Conga Calf, you put up there, man. If you if you have three teams that are a threat to get the round of sixteen, then Conca Calf is right below Comebol and and UEFA. I know it sounds crazy. Would, you don't want to put it in front of Asia or Africa, but you have to. Max, I would not be surprised if all of all three of these teams made it to the round of sixteen. It, it's not. It, I mean, like if I was a betting man and they had something that showed you, like, oh, would you bet for these three teams? I I definitely put at least a hundred bucks on that, dude. You know, but I mean, again, the way that Canada has been playing and, and here and then, I mean, like, hopefully I don't jinx them and they don't go and fucking, oops, excuse me, no. <laughs> and they get smashed, they get smashed, you know, I, they're going to, they're so. going to have some moments where it's going to be caught because this is a generational World Cup bid, even though they're going to make the next World Cup and the next ones, I think so. It's still going to be like, oh, my God, we've never been here. And that moment's going to come. It's it's going to be hard to clear. You Also, do you think that? But you don't see them or feel like they're over their head, right? Like you don't feel like they're going to be like. like I don't think they get out of the groups because they'll be in pod three. I think they could even be in pod four. So they would have really good teams 
even Nobody's they could get a good draw, but it's not going to be a great draw. Yeah, but I mean, uh, like, let, let's think about it though. Like, I mean, I don't think what group is going to be a weak group now, you know? Like, the, every single well, the Qatar group, whatever they have, because they're at the top of it. But so, oh, this yeah, is what I would think for Canada. And this is what I, I fear for the US is if they get, say, Argentina, Brazil, in, in a group with Argentina, Brazil, who are going to be in pot one. So, USA would be in pot two. So, you're going to get a European team. It's going to be a good one. It could be. A Poland Germany, or Denmark. no, it won't be Germany, but it would be one of those teams like Serbia. It's like that's gonna be a tough team. Oh, like the mid, like the middle teams, right? You talking about yeah, the second like, group of like, European teams like a, would like slot in that third like, slot. Croatia. I mean, uh, look, I don't, don't want to face, face Croatia. No, hold on. Listen, listen to the European teams, dude, and tell me which one is weak: Germany, Denmark, France, Belgium, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, Switzerland, Netherlands. None of the above. Italia. <laughs> exactly. And they're not Dude. even there, brother. <laughs> Dude, Italianos are hot, man. I was like on Twitter and like guys who are Italian are sending me nasty tweets because I sent a funny thing. You're like, relax, tranquilo, Barnetta. I was like, it was it was pretty heavy. Oh, uh, listen, Costa Rica. So if they finish fourth, it's good. They're going to finish fourth because Mexico is going to beat El Salvador or at least yeah. tie El Salvador. And the U.S. is not going to lose by six goals. Yeah, but Costa Rica is really good. They're getting better. They beat Canada. They're the only team to beat Canada. So they'll face either New Zealand or the Solomon Islands. I wish the Sol- I wish there was room for the Solomon Islands in the World Cup. But alas, <laughs> they're going to win that probably. And then Costa Rica is another dangerous team in a World Cup. Yeah. Four oh, teams. Yeah. Remember Brazil. Remember Brazil, twenty fourteen. Right. So, uh, yeah, let's, or in, uh, was, yeah, they, they made a quarterfinals. So uh, it's looking good for CONCACAF. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. USA's on up. Mexico's Mexico, even though we have a lot of questions about it. And Canada's the most improved team in the world. So CONCACAF, for all the criticism it gets, it looks pretty good. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put a bow on this, but World Cup draws. How do you guys, how do you see this wrapping up? your project predictions for this final qualifier and something we need to keep an eye on for or a player or something that you think is going to maybe shift something shift. I said shift, not something else shift something in the final qualifier. What about, what say you Ramon? Uh, yeah. I mean, what I'm looking for just for Mexico is to end, end things on the right note, just maybe like a three zero against El Salvador. I don't think that's actually, that would feel good, huh? Yeah, especially at the Azteca. And I'll make this point about the Azteca because I've, I've heard a lot of things from the U.S. players uh, just really quickly, uh, Max, that the Azteca doesn't feel like the Azteca of times before. It, does, it wasn't intimidating. It was half full. People weren't even wearing green shirts. They, it's not the, the last time I really felt the atmosphere was that 20, uh, 2009 qualifier where Charlie Davis scored the first goal and Mexico was able to go, go get that 2-1 win. That was the last time I saw the Azteca like thumping and excited to see their team. And now it just seems like everyone's just there on their phones and Fuera Tata is just like a thing about to do, I guess. Influencers getting tickets instead of fans. It's just, it's a pain. I don't like it. And I think honestly, Mexico should play in another event. Hey, hey Ramon, to your point, there was uh, all the American fans said, oh, I was received so well. The fans at the Azteca were pleasant. We were singing and dancing. It's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, You're no, supposed I mean, to be scared right. going to the Azteca. That's too yeah. friendly. No, I, I'm glad it's like that. I remember reading like a Bill Simmons story where he went to the U.S. and he's like, I don't know. I got drenched with something and I thought it was Pete. And, and I was like, man, that's the rivalry. That's what people. That's the, 
don't yeah. get it. yeah so but i'm looking forward to that i think uh i think the table kind of stays as it is canada u.s mexico and costa rica i think that's how it's, it's gonna stay and joe's putting on his canadian uh beanie right now he's just ready to put down some molsons have some poutine <laughs> that's what you're looking forward to you're all canadiense now yeah that's uh that's uh, at mexico uh, gets uh an early exit in canada stays that's my my adopted team uh <laughs> No, we're all going to pull. We're going to pull for all the Concacaf teams, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I, and, Me and too. Look, I, I know that there's going to be you know like Mexico fans out there that that are not going to like this, but look, hey, if the U.S. makes through, you know, if they break through the to the next round, uh, hey, let's go, let's go U.S. Right? Let's go Canada. Let's this, go Costa Rica. You know, they're co-hosting a World Cup. Granted, it's mostly USA, but uh, this Concacaf uh, uh, high tide lifts all boats. We, so. we talked about this before, Max, that it's kind of like your conferences in college, right? You know, unless you're one of those like mega ultra hardcore, but most guys, they want their conference to do better, even if it's whatever, you know what I mean? Unless it's like, I don't know, do you ever, who's the Florida State's uh, super rival? Is it Florida? Florida and Miami. Okay. So, well, it's, I mean, it's pretty close, but Florida maybe because it's a little closer. So then, so then if it's Florida, like, oh, but you guys aren't even in the same conference, are you? Well, we are in the same conference with Miami, but in football we and, and basketball, we play Florida every year. Oh, okay. So, I mean, but if you guys were in the same conference, would you be rooting for that opponent or no? Yeah. I pull for ACC teams. Yeah, in, uh, there you go. That's my point. So you're rooting for ACC teams and March Madness. It's the same thing in the, in the, in, in the World Cup, right? We're going to all root for, 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 for these fellas, that's the bottom line. And and listen, I think that uh, it, it, I mean this could be the year that, that we could. You talked about this, and I'm going to requote you. We would not be super shocked to see one of those teams potentially make it to the semifinals. It, it depends on the draw, but the, the U.S. feels like they have the talent. They don't have the experience. They don't have some of the smaller ingredients to get through, but they have, and they're just going to get better after qualifying from here on in. And it's going to be a competitive roster and Mexico's Mexico and Canada's. I don't think Canada just because I, they're, they're, they're going to have a good experience, but 2026, 2026 for all of these teams could be a phenomenal world cup. Hosting a world cup makes a difference. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's all good. So, all right, well, we leave it in a very good position. Ramon Chavez, Joe Rodriguez, two fantastic gentlemen. And I know you guys appreciate it here, both with El Tri Online and Joe now with MLS Next Pro. It's uh, it's an exciting time. We'll talk about the draw. We'll talk about what comes next. And we're in a World Cup year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Max. Thanks, Max. All right. We'll be back and put a bow on our show, the Soccer OG Podcast, where all podcasts are available. up there but uh just wanted to come on here and uh, enjoy this week wednesday we will take a look at all breaks down we will have our next soccer og podcast in and around the world cup draw and we'll break down the the field we won't know the entire field because of the playoff games and obviously what's happening with ukraine 
Uh, we'd love to see Ukraine in the World Cup, but it doesn't work that way. But this World Cup is, is sensational. What's going to happen in South America? Ecuador, Uruguay are in. And now it's Peru or Colombia. So that's something to look forward to. These playoffs, unbelievable. I mean, what happened to Italy is it's it makes you think because now the national team has missed two World Cups. The city, uh, the clubs continue to fall short of their goals in the Champions League. The Milan team's just taking forever to recover from whatever it is. It's Calciopoli, I don't know, or just getting back there. Uh, it's just been a struggle for Italian football. And this is going to make the struggle even harder because not making the World Cup is is debilitating. And they played pretty well in that game, but the goal came and it's just a reminder, look, we'd love to have Italy in the World Cup. But if it's Italy or if it's North Macedonia, and now North Macedonia have to play Portugal, so I don't think it's going to be North Macedonia. But who's, who am I to say? It's the World Cup. It's bigger than one country. I know that sounds obvious, but sometimes you have to remind it because we kept saying, oh, my God, either Italy or Portugal is going to miss it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And this may be the last time we do it with the expanded World Cup. By the way, the expanded World Cup doesn't really favor UEFA. I think they get an extra bid. So it's they're, they're, they're capping UEFA a lot. The big winners are in Africa and Asia and CONCACAF to a lesser degree for 48 teams. So it's uh, it, this is a phenomenon. And enjoy the World Cup qualifying because it's never going to be this well. And South America to a lesser degree as well. So uh, it, it's just a stunning development. And to see what could happen with these games, it's going to be a fun run to the end. And unfortunately, we're going to have some gaps with the playoffs. But it's uh, with the final playoffs, which will be, I would say, Costa Rica versus New Zealand. And then maybe, probably have to say Peru. Probably have to say Peru. Against who is the team out there? I, I can't remember. I, I should know this about Asia. Is it? They still have a game to figure out who it's going to be. Uh, I'll get to it. But it would the Saudis? It the Saudis? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I was unprepared. This is the Soccer OG. Joy World Cup qualifying. The World Cup draw. World Cup year. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Blasido Domingo.